You're listening to the Rob Review Podcast. Evan Rob and Laura Rob share their thoughts and opinions on teaching, learning, and leadership. And now, the Rob Review Podcast with Evan and Laura. This is Evan Rob, and I am joined today with Laura Rob. This is the Rob Review Podcast. Welcome, Laura. Oh, it's a pleasure to be here with you today, Evan. Thank you very much. I'm excited about this new series that we're going to be talking about in this pod, starting with this podcast and into upcoming podcasts, titled "There Are More Than One Way to Skin a Cat." So we have a lot of topics that we have discussed, and we're talking about a couple from class management, reading whole class novel instruction, sticking to one method of instruction, professional learning. And today for this podcast, we're going to begin with class management. Now, you and I both realize, Laura, that class management is complicated and is beyond the scope of a 8 to 12 minute podcast, but we're going to give some pointers that we think can help teachers as they work to create positive environments within their classroom. But to begin with, I've spent some time reflecting back on some of my less than illustrious experiences from when I was in middle school. And I can recall when I think back to middle school that my classrooms did not have very clear expectations, or at least if uh, the teacher thought they were clear, I certainly did not think they were clear. I didn't understand what the expectations or the routines of the classroom um, were when I was a student. In fact, I think I was expected to sort of be a mind reader and figure out what my teachers wanted me to do when I came into the classroom. And then what would happen is when I would not do what they wanted me to do, although they didn't tell me what to do, I would get in trouble. And getting in trouble back then was similar to a detention, but then it was called a demerit. And although time has washed away memory of that time, maybe a little bit, but I can assure you, Laura, I got quite a few demerits when I was in middle school. Well, you know, that kind of teaching, I always call the gotcha method of teaching because uh, you get a kid and then you punish them. And I know that you reminded me that you got lots of punishments. Of course, I put those kinds of things out of my mind. Yeah, we'll call them lots of gotchas. I got quite a few gotchas and served a lot of time for things that that I didn't fully understand. But hopefully we can give some pointers and some tips to educators who are listening to this podcast to help create more positive environments within their classroom. And one thing that's important, you know, that I like to share as a principal is sometimes teachers believe that, you know, you have to set the stage in the beginning of the year. And if you don't do that, the whole year is lost. Uh, there's no doubt that setting a positive environment and, and clear expectations to start the year is a great way to start the year. But there are always opportunities for a redo or for a restart. And we always want people to remember that no matter what kind of hurdles they may encounter as they move through their school year. Right. You know, what I think, if things are not going well and you want to do a reset, uh, I think it's important to tell the kids, you know, here are some things I see that are not going well, so we're going to try some new ideas. And let me give you one example, uh, Evan, probably more than one, but it's important to establish routines. So what do kids do when they sit down? Is there someone that gives out their reading notebooks? Do they immediately head their page? Is there a short do now or a warm up for them to get started with so that you focus them on the class? Uh, routines happen throughout the day. Will there be silent reading? Will there be conferences? Uh, will there be uh, students working together in groups on projects? All of that should 
be very clear. It can be on the chalkboard. And once you establish the very basic routines, kids get used to it. And, and within the routine, you have a lot of freedom with the children. So routines are important, Evan. Yeah, and I think the clarifier for that is, you know, we are not advocating for mechanistic sort of machine-like classrooms. Um, but we are what we are advocating for is for kids to have an understanding of what happens from when they get into the classroom to when they finish the classroom. And of course, there's lots of teacher flexibility within each of those elements of the classroom. The other part that we always recommend to teachers is for routines to be effective in a classroom, they need to be communicated through expectations. And sometimes there can be a disconnect where a teacher may believe that they're doing a really good job communicating expectations. However, they're not being seen in the classroom through student routines. Ideally, Evan, uh, the expectations should be negotiated with the students, and it doesn't matter what age group. The students need to feel invested. They need to feel respected and trusted and part of the process so that they might be uh, creating uh, expectations, behavioral expectations for when the teacher is conferring, uh, for when a group of students is uh, doing project work, um, so that they they have a hand in what's happening. Uh, the other thing that really is important is to build relationships right away. The kids got have to know uh, a lot about you, and you have to get to know a lot about them. Yeah, I would say that uh, you know relationships are critical, actually. Um, and a foundational element for a successful classroom. And the same parallel um, if you want to look at a building. You know, principals need to build relationships with students, with teachers, uh, their community at large, and of course with parents also. Because without those kind of relationships, um, great schools simply don't happen and great classrooms do not happen either. You're right. I think that um, a lot of what happens in a classroom has everything to do with those relationships because you know, and I know, that students will work hard for a teacher they care about and who they feel that, uh, in turn, the teacher sincerely cares about them, their progress, and offers lots of support. So, you know, going back to routines, routines should offer choices, um, and uh, those choices should uh, be given to the students. And then the class starts to run smoothly. The same routines, there are some routines that happen all year long, but you might have routines that you need to establish for one unit. Uh, but then things are going to change. So you're, you're resetting almost frequently during the year. Yeah, I think it's a really good example. The, um, you know, so there may always be a routine that when you come into class, you're going to do a warm-up activity or do now whatever sort of nomenclature people put on, uh, on that way to start the class. But there may be a particular unit where a teacher wants kids to work in groups. Now, sometimes, sometimes people can go wrong and make a false presumption that students just magically know how to work in groups. They may not. So that's an opportunity to set some expectations and, and certainly, as you said, to collaboratively set some expectations for how that group will operate and let kids practice working together to establish routine for when they are working together as a group. Absolutely. They should practice. They should establish expectations. And then at some point, they should debrief and make adjustments and see what's working and what areas 
uh, need extra help. Management is not just, a, you know, a rigid set of rules that we give teachers. It's a way of thinking about the class structure and also recognizing that it's not your class. It belongs to you and your students. Yeah, I think, I think again, that goes back to creating a sense of community, um, which creates an environment where uh, learning is much more likely to occur right. because there's more um, appreciation, understanding for the class environment. Okay, let me give you a good example. In the school I'm working with, the fifth grade teachers came to me and said that, you know, they want to do uh, independent free choice reading for at least 15, preferably 20 minutes a day. But every time, when they left it to the end of class, most of the time they never got to it. So we decided to try starting it at the beginning of the class. And now students come in, they know where to get their independent reading book or they know where the library is if they need to choose another book. And they immediately find a comfortable place and independent reading happens and then the rest of the class flows after that. Isn't that a great, uh, that's wonderful because people can get into a mindset that there's only one particular way, ergo our title, one way to skin a cat, uh, in order to go through a class. And, and that's a great example of thinking about the, the sequence of the class a little differently and finding success. I agree. And I think at first everyone was a little tenuous, and but as soon as they saw how successful it was, and there's something magical about the kids finding a book and settling down. Um, one, one of the teachers said she did her read aloud and then went to the independent reading. But these things are not written in stone, and that's what's important. So you want to ask yourself always this question. What am I hoping the kids are going to get out of what we're doing? And then think, what kinds of routines and negotiations do I need to go through with my students uh, in order for them to be successful. Yeah, I think that's wonderful. You know, and I think the, the other thing before we wrap up this podcast is there's a routine opportunity when a class ends also. Absolutely. Sometimes um, teachers can, can there, a fundamental mistake that I see some teachers make, young teachers, is uh, they'll let the tone or the bell dismiss kids from their class. And that that is not good. Um, the teacher should dismiss students from the class. But there's opportunities at the end of the class to establish some routines also. It could be a reflective writing activity. It could be something... Uh, more of an exit pass um, where there's a, a check of students learning. But one of my favorite is to notice all the po two or three positive things that happen. Because remember, we want to build on positive and uh, and point when you point the positives out to the children. Like I notice that during uh, independent choice reading, everybody found a comfortable spot, and you were so into the book that you didn't even notice the lights flick. But, uh, I think that, you know, that is fantastic because, you know, it, it, and I'm not saying the exit passes are bad, but, you know, you're giving a different way of, of, of wrapping up the class, which is there's conversational element. There's an opportunity for students to see you model how you are reflecting on the time that you had together where you're. Uh, where, where positive things occurred and where some things are that might need to be tweaked. And then the class can end and students can go off to their next class. Laura, thank you so much. As always, you share some wonderful wisdom to me and, and to the listeners of the Rob Review Podcast. This wraps up this edition of the Rob Review Podcast. We will see you next time. 
We hope you enjoyed the Rob Review Podcast. Check out our blogs at therobreviewblog.com and tell a friend. Thanks again and see you next time.